Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. This is the 285th episode of my Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. My name is Rob Snow White, and this may be the last time we talk to Art Noglack about flies. This iteration is all about nymphs. And sorry to tell you this, but your nymph is the least important part of your fly fishing day. We'll discuss favorite patterns, materials for tying them, and finish off with how to fish them. But first, we're going to check in with Luke and Dan on their Fish All 50 road trip. You can follow them through Fish All 50 hashtag on social media. Again, this podcast is brought to you by Solo Stove. What is a Solo Stove? Well, besides just the most efficient fire pit you're ever going to use, they look like an aluminum metal cylinder, anywhere from a coffee can size to trash can size. And what you do is you put your wood in there and you light it, and the oxygen gets sucked in those bottom holes, and it circulates through, and it makes a virtually smokeless fire pit once it gets going. There really are not embers that are going to land on you and burn your clothes. There may be a few but nothing like your old traditional fire pit. It's going to be virtually smokeless once it gets going, and it puts off an incredible amount of heat. You can put your hand right up to the side and feel how cool it is outside of the actual cylinder. But if you touch it, you're going to burn your fingers off. It is that hot. If you have any questions about solo stoves, reach out to me. I'll answer them. Please visit my links in my website and social media, for more information about Solo Stoves, because every purchase made through my links helps support my small business. Thank you very much for listening. You want to do a little check-in on everything? Yeah, sounds All right. good. So we've got Luke. Yes, I'm here. Daniel's here too. All right. Where are you guys at the moment? We are in a Walmart near the... Uh, Near the uh, Indiana-Ohio border right now. 
Okay. So we. So this is stop number D, letter so, D. Pretty much, yeah. So we've done, we did Tennessee. We caught a smallmouth there, and we actually was a nice. When we were fishing for smallmouth on the first day. We didn't even realize this, but there were they stocked that river with rainbow trout. Oh. So I ended up catching a a pretty nice rainbow trout, which was a complete surprise, but was really cool. Very nice. Um, and then we did Kentucky, and we caught a spotted bass there. And actually, Daniel caught a pretty—I mean, not a big one—but Daniel ended up catching a blue catfish. And I actually—I actually hooked into a muskie, uh, but it broke me off because I was—I was not expecting that. And then we did Illinois, which was a bluegill, so that was, you know, not very challenging. So we're just gonna. We're going to go to a pond today. Indiana doesn't have a state fish, uh, an official state fish or an unofficial state fish. I've been thinking about, you know, my dad has been talking to me about maybe starting a petition or something for that. But for the meantime, we're, we're just going to catch a fish in Indiana just so that we, we can say we've done it. And then Ohio has an unofficial state fish of a walleye. So that's our next stop. Do you know where you're going in Ohio? Going up to the Great Lakes? Uh, Doing a lake? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go to to Lake Erie there. See if we can get out on a boat. If not, we've got a we've got we got like a two-person inflatable kayak. So, you know, it would be better to go out with someone. We're going to see what we can do, but if not, we're we're just going to do our best with the kayak there. Okay. And then from Ohio, it's north to Michigan. Yes. Yeah. So, from Ohio to Michigan and then Wisconsin. How's the weather right now? It's raining here right now, but besides a couple days of rain in Kentucky, it's been pretty good. So no complaints there, and it's not too cold yet. I'm sure that'll, I'm sure it'll get colder. Go up. You have some snow forecasts for out that way. Really? Yes. Yeah, I've not checked yet, so that'll be interesting. Right. What have you packed gear-wise and and just stuff to live with since the last trip? What what lessons have you learned and what to bring? We brought a lot more, like, instant food. So we've been getting water from gas stations like he told us to. Yes. And doing ramen, oatmeal, instant coffee, that kind of stuff, which helps keep the uh, the cost down instead of having to buy food every night. I guess all that hot water and that food keeps you warm, too. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Any fishing gear that you brought that you left behind or didn't have last time other than a free baitcaster rod and a loner five weight. Yeah, so those uh, that's definitely an, a bit of an upgrade. Really, we we really didn't bring anything anything more than we did last time. Just yeah, just a lot more warm clothes. But fishing gear wise, it's it's pretty much the same. Do you have fingertipless fishing gloves? No, we do not. If okay. you find a some kind of military surplus store they'll usually have a pair that are about six or seven dollars olive wool you're gonna need those okay what kind of donations have y'all been getting any any Uh, money coming in a few you know when we when we uh posted the route for this one we got some kind of like in preparation for this second route you know it's it's not moving as fast as it was in the beginning but that's okay you've been offered some places to fish as well 
So we've got Jim down in Florida. Lee Barbie mentioned something about where he is. Anyone else reach out, say they could take you out or feed you while you're on the road trip? In Texas, the fish is a Guadalupe bass, and we actually have – my family has some good friends that we use. We used to live down in Richmond for a couple of years, and we have some good friends who live down there and then moved out to uh, near the San Antonio area, so we're going to stay with them there. Uh, weirdly enough, I just found out that I have South African cousins that moved to Mississippi – so we have a place to stay there as well. Let's see. We've got a good friend in Georgia who we're staying with. Uh, I think that's it for now. Have you been meeting any strange folks under bridges at 2 in the morning? In Illinois, there were a lot of strange folks. We were in in farm territory there, so we saw a lot of interesting characters driving tractors down the highway and stuff like that but we have not really run into anyone while we're fishing yet anything else that's just been going on odd things you've seen favorite fish you've caught what are you learning on your road trip you stopping in fly Uh, shops at all just to look in uh not yet just because it's been all you know it's been all bass and stuff uh which obviously you know i know you can't catch on a fly but for me and well for us at least it's it's a little easier to catch those on spinning because we do that at home a lot right so um you guys but, probably don't know but there's a certain quality to a fly shop that you won't get in like a dicks or a big box store it's a it's a friendly atmosphere well you should be friendly but it's you'll find you'll find something different when you go in your first fly shop just look okay. around and talk. It's a completely different mentality. Well, for um, for Michigan, it's a brook trout, so uh, we're going to be looking for for a local fly shop with some advice there. So, you know, we'll do that. Okay, very cool. And what road are you taking up through Michigan? Because you're going to be passing some pretty sweet steelhead and Michigan rivers. I know you guys drove right over the Salmon River on your last trip in New York and didn't stop. You're going to try and catch some other fish while you're out there besides just the state fish i'm not actually i'm not sure which which road we're going to be taking up but we you know we've we've made pretty decent time so far so uh we are not opposed to stopping yeah you definitely got to go find some some salmon hook into one of those that'll change you and then you got to get steelhead yeah very cool all right guys well we will check in in uh, a week or so and see how things are going. Your parents are still cool with all this? Yep. Yes, they are. And are you having more fun than sitting in lectures right now with English 101? Oh, absolutely. Very cool. No question. All right, guys. Dan, have fun. No snoring. He's and, fun, no snoring. <laughs> and I'll check in with you guys in a week or so. Okay, thanks right, so much. Have, have a fun. good one. Be safe. All right, Art, we are in person, about equal distance, arm length apart. There are kids that are doing the one chip challenge in the yard, and we're going to talk nymphs. So, what have you been up to since we spoke last? And is there really a massive surge in fly fishing right now? Yes, I have been up to that. There is a massive surge in fly fishing. Kind of, I've, I've, I've heard it uh, uh, compared to 
the river runs through it days as a as a fly fishing retailer. But yes, I mean, uh, uh, we've been fortunate enough to be in outdoor retail. And business has been really good. And I think, you know, it's a great way to socially distance. And people are definitely taking advantage of it. I dig it, man. It helps me yeah. get more clients. Yeah. I'm getting calls all the time. Yeah. It's weird, though. I can only work weeknights, and it's dark now at 7. Looking forward to daylight savings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. You've been out fishing. You caught some browns the other day. I have, yeah. I've been, uh, you know, I, I've been getting out, you know, a lot more than, than last year. Fishing a lot of spring creeks. Uh, I had my PA trip that we talked about. Yeah. And I hit uh, Fishing Creek, Spring, spring Creek, and Penn's Creek. All all low water, unseasonably low. They're going to um, get swamped this weekend, though. Yes, yes. I will, I will be fishing probably PA again, maybe even this weekend, nice. potentially. And if not, Maryland. If you go through... Carlisle, yep. I need you to stop at the beer distributor for me. Yeah, and I very well may. I very well may because, honestly, if if Carlisle gets a lot of rain, I will go fish the Latour in if there's a bump because uh, streamer fishing bacon and, flies. and maybe big nymphs might big, big might bacon be, flies might be good there. That place can be good. Some yeah. of these pickle bugs in high water. Let's. Uh... <clears throat> First off, the militarization of nymphs. Why are they tactical these days? Mm. Is it because their their color? I think their I think sharpness. I think tactical is just a uh, a great sort of buzzword that's that's used across um, many industries, fly fishing included. I think it's just to sort of describe something that is very well thought out and a purpose driven piece of kit, piece of gear, you know. And so I think that the you know tactical. Leaders and nymphs are, uh, you know, obviously designed for our high stick, tight line nymphing. Some people call it European nymphing. Some people call it Czech nymphing, French nymphing, Spanish nymphing. Typically, Euro nymphing would just encompass it all. Yeah, I mean, and and I hate to, you know, I hate to like call it that because they're so very. It's like you can't just say there's European cuisine. There's French cuisine. There's yeah, Italian cuisine. Yeah, right, right. They each have their own little style and right, leaders right. and indicators. That's right. Yeah. And we, at our store, we call it uh, nymphing without borders. I like that. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what we call it. <laughs> How were your wings tonight? Uh, those were delicious, man. What was the rub on there? That was, those were that's, really good. That's the meat church. Mm. Meat church, I meat should say. Meat church. Okay. It's a tasty wing. It was yeah. very good. Yeah. yeah. Enjoyed it. And you heard the wife Thank saying you. how she hates how I want to trigger everything. But I'm making chicken stew tomorrow. I want to trigger it. Oh, wow. Yes. Did, I don't know if you know this, but she actually ate a fourth of that chip. Really? Yeah, yeah. You, you, had already, you already walked away. She but. puts hot sauce on her hot sauce. Yeah, so, yeah. like, we got... <laughs> hold on. Let me, let me get this stuff. From, uh, these veggies are you not... Didn't quite, you didn't quite make it up there. <laughs> what do you got there? So, I've always been a fan... Of Melinda's hot sauces, but yeah, like this one oh, on the dude. laptop, very yeah. good. Melinda, hmm. Right, so, that, Max. so that's really good. So, this reminds me of something that comes out of Florida. I'm already in, sweating in, in the Fort Pierce area, it's a little hotter. Whew. 
but it's called gator sauce and uh we Holy put it crap. on we put this gator sauce on on a, a ritz cracker and we dip it in uh what they call smack and 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 Smack is what people ask me to smoke with them or inject mm. on a four-mile run. Yes, I I have gotten rid of all of those friends. Uh, smack is sort of a, a, a kind of a fish pate type of thing. You put a little bit of the gator sauce, the fish pate on the on the cracker, and it's uh, it's phenomenal. Nice. All right. So I would say that nymphs, probably the oldest form of flies, because what they were using probably wasn't hydrophobic at the time. Mm. Probably sank. People were tying stuff to a piece of metal or bone. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty mm -hmm. old old form of fishing. Mm -hmm. When should someone fish nymphs? Going back three thousand years, when's a good time to fish a nymph? Well, I think you know. I think if we're fishing for trout, I think the answer is always. I don't think there's ever a bad time to be nymphing. You know, and I and I think that you know, and your listeners already know this, but I, but I think your highest probability of catching a fish is is almost always going to be on a nymph. Yeah, I, I really do. I think it's the uh, it's definitely the the most tried and true uh, uh, technique. I think that when you learn how to nymph effectively, almost regardless of, of the conditions, I think that uh, I think you're gonna have more success. And, and that even includes during periods of a hatch. You know, I think that when you see, you know, you hear people say like every fish in the river is rising. Probably not. Probably you know twenty percent of the fish are rising, and the other eighty percent are eating the nymphs. <laughs> you know right. that are that are active and emerging at that particular moment in time. So you know I've I've gone through periods. I, I all of my years in fly fishing have been in stages. You know, and fads and sort of interests, and and so I get extremely addicted to a certain type or certain style or certain technique and I fish those techniques even when I shouldn't fish those techniques and then I get bored with them and I move on to the next technique and so what's interesting is really the last three years and maybe even like a little bit longer I've, I've really kind of stopped nymphing up until um, this past year and I don't actually believe that I caught a fish in three years on a nymph because I, I for the most part just strictly was dry fly fishing and regardless of the conditions and, and what was going on, I was dry fly fishing. And, you know, unless unless I was, you know, some unexpected water event happened while I was there or whatever, didn't expect, and then I would streamer fish. But I just kind of stopped nymphing for a long time. And what's really interesting, one thing that I've noticed, is I've probably caught less trout in the last three years than I ever have. And in the last three years... It's the same rivers you were fishing yeah, previous. Yeah, Absolutely. I see your Instagram. Just, just be just between my willingness to like not throw a nymph, and then and then also too like the average size of the fish that you know I've been catching because I've been so obsessed with the dry fly fishing the last few years has gone down dramatically. You know, and not that I haven't caught some big fish on dry flies because I have, but just not sort of in the in the frequency, right? So I kind of stopped targeting big fish exclusively. I stopped you know, using nymphing techniques for a long time and really just tried to focus on my dry fly game and kind of use the opportunities that I did have to fish to, to do that. And I, you know, I'm back to, back to nymphing this year. And, and how much of that is because all your dry flies were stolen? No, that happened after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That happened after that car break in scenario was uh, during the quarantine period actually. So another reason to go to the beer distributor. Mm. I still think we're going to get another lockdown. Mm. 
yeah, you, you, you're, you're probably right. You know, it, it, um, I don't know. I, I try to grow as many squash. Look at that. Look at all that Swiss chard next to you, dude. Grew that from seed right there. That's a lot in there. That's probably uh, cumulative 40 calories there. So, <laughs> but it's got omega three fatty acids, <laughs> right? Okay. The wife likes to eat. I planted, it good. I planted yeah, so I, much I, kale. I would, I would eat it. We got kale, leeks, garlic, turnips planted. Maybe. I would give you the cucumelons. Nobody eats the cucumelons. The squirrels don't even eat my cucumelons. It's a sour, I've never, I don't know. sour watermelon, cucumber-shaped thing, like that big. We'll go out in the dark later. Yeah. All right, don't forget, we got to get you my Helgramite yarn. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. So that's would right. you say that they're mostly nymphs because that's just the way they're built? Their mouth is in front. Their eyes are on the side. They can look up. They can look down. They're in the water column, and there's just bugs swimming all through there. So I, you know, I can't speak to, you know, how they're biologically and, and, you know, evolution, how they've, they have changed or whatever. But, yeah. but, but, but what I can say is that I, I think it's a product of, um, you know, trout will eat whatever is in the most abundance and whatever is uh, easiest to obtain. So I think it's all, uh, uh, you know, calorie expenditure per, you know, intake sort of ratio that goes on, you know, and I, and I just think that, there are just so many nymphs in any given any given system, right? And if there's not nymphs, there's usually not there's not trout. You know, it's just it's just that that simple. Very nice. Benefits of nymphing besides that, more fish, more fish, more fish, and and, and larger fish too. You know, I, I think I think uh, I catch a lot of steelhead on nymphs. Yes. Well, that's just a freak yes. system that I'm fishing yeah, that, too. That, that's a freak situation. You know, we've talked about that before on other other episodes. You know, those those fish aren't actively eating. I think, you know, they're they're just very opportunistic in those periods of time, and I think a lot of times they're just eating things because they don't like it. They have to test everything too. Yeah. yeah. I just did the podcast on grayling, and they found someone did a biopsy or stomach sample, and they found elk hair. Hmm. More reason to use an elk hair caddis? I don't know. Maybe. All right, misconceptions with nymphs, and I guess we're going to get into all the techniques that people might find frustrating, confusing, challenging to learn. I would say that maybe people ask me, "Where does your indicator go?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have answers. Hopefully, some of them are right. right. But, but general answers. Client or customer misconceptions <laughs> about nymphs. Yeah, that they always need a bead. Mm-hmm. What are some other nymph misconceptions? Size? Oh, 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 that somehow that somehow flipping over rocks and looking at bugs on the bottom of the rocks and trying to substantiate with right. your Orvis pocket guide to so, eastern mayfly nymphs, you would put Right. My on analogy your line. to that is do you remember buffets? Mm-hmm. All right, so you go down a buffet and you're like, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh, I don't want that. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Just because there's something under a rock doesn't mean it's also outside of the rock and swimming. That there may be there, they may not be there. They might be a food item, they might not be a food item at that specific moment. Yes, trout, absolutely. It's cool to look at the bugs, but it doesn't tell you anything about what they're eating no, at that moment. And, and, you know, in all the years that, that I've taught, you know, fly fishing classes and, and, you know, I mean, at this point, I've taught, you know, ten, maybe, maybe, maybe over 10,000 people how to, how to fly fish, you know? And, you know, I've been doing the same spiel for many years about this particular topic. And the topic is, you know, we get to flies, right? You know, in these Mm -hmm. one-on-one courses, 
and I and I ask people, you know, I say that the flies are really, honestly, the most insignificant part of the entire discussion. Right? Fish if, are, if there's one thing you don't have to worry about, it's it's really kind of flies. And I use an analogy about the, you know, I talk about the flipping over rocks. I say, you know, look, somewhere on a river, somewhere in this country, there is a guy or a gal flipping over a rock, right? And they have their Orvis guide to Eastern They're doing it in Colorado. They're two hours behind. Yeah, and, and, and they're, they're trying to substantiate based on what's underneath these rocks, right? What fly they should, they should tie on. So then I, I ask, I play this little show of hand games with the group, and I say, how many of you have ever caught a fish on a piece of corn? How many of you have ever caught a fish on a hot dog? I, so piece of soap. I caught know? them on slime. When so, I was a kid, yeah. we used to get slime out of the vending machine at Safeway. They'll eat that. Yeah, and the list and the list goes on and on. And the reality is, is those things don't occur in any natural environment uh, anywhere on the planet Earth, other than you know maybe Whole Foods. The reality here is that that trout, and, and I'm very sorry, Matt Sapinski, who I respect okay. and, and have so, read a lot. Okay, but so, fish are not selective creatures. But, <laughs> I was just yeah, looking him up to oh. find a nymph. Oh, really? Yeah, while you yeah, were just talking, and, I'm and, looking him up on Instagram. He and, has and, a wiggle, wiggle nymph that's Yeah, awesome. he's got some great stuff, and he's much more knowledgeable than I am. But, but you know, he, he wrote this phenomenal book on, you know, selectivity, and, and I think it's relative. And I, I, I bought it, and I, I appreciate it. But, but animals of any kind are not selective creatures. Those ones are now extinct because they, they couldn't adapt to right. their, their environment. You know, so they're not. They're not selective. In fact, it's the opposite. They're opportunistic. And, and it's not will they eat. It's they have to eat whatever appears to be food. That's why brook trout are so aggressive. Yeah, yeah, they have to eat it, right? I mean, there, there's really no way around the situation. So, you know, I hate to blow the next two hours of this podcast, but, like, what we are about to get into... Is irrelevant. I mean, it's not It's not irrelevant, but but... It's just the least important part of the puzzle. The fishing, the, the last section is going to be the most important part. Mm. Okay. Are there drawbacks to fishing nymphs? Yes, of course. Besides just snagging. Yes, I was going to say snagging, right? Um, tangling is often synonymous with, with nymphing, at least for me. You lose a lot more flies uh, 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 that way. Um, and you don't get that sort of, you know, amazing, you know, a fish rises to your, you know, your fly. and It's just less visual, Right. Uh, or, or chasing a big streamer or something of that effect. Yeah, and it's 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 definitely less challenging, in, in my opinion, than the other two, you know, or other two methods. All right. So I did look up the. Uh, I don't know where I heard it. Someone once said that Tom Rosenbauer introduced mm-hmm. bead-headed nymphs to America. Maybe uh, he did. I don't know. Ed Sisti published the book "New Professional Methods in Tying the Nymph" in '72, which predates the Italian author. The guy that wears the beret, I believe, that is said to have given Rosenbauer that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That, that could be. There's some things I know about Tom. One thing that, well, first of all, Tom, if you're. Tell if, us something if he doesn't know. If you're out there listening. That you know. Uh, Tom was nice enough to, uh, I, you know, because my dry flies were stolen. So I asked him, you know, Tom has, uh, he, you know, some years back he gave me some great snowshoe feet he's particular about that yes some great snowshoe feet on the uh, uh upper delaware river one time to tie some emergers and i tied all these beautiful emergers with these snowshoe feet and they got stolen i couldn't find any good snowshoe feet which he actually thinks aren't snowshoe feet they're relabeled as they're actually european hair that are relabeled as snowshoe feet do you know the difference between but a hair and a rabbit uh, no rabbits lay their babies underground and hares nest above ground mm. So what we have here are hares, not rabbits. I didn't know that. 
I just I learned that recently. But I shot Tom an email, and he he was nice enough to send me like half a dozen of these beautiful rabbits feet for me to retie my emergers. Um, you get a chocolate bar with that? I did not get a chocolate bar, but I've I've gotten chocolate bars. Dan's from, supposed to get me one. I've gotten chocolate bars from Tom uh, prior. I think they're called Matawee, which is probably a river in Vermont or stream in Vermont, but. Yes, I've gotten the chocolate bars. I believe his daughter does the illustrations on the... I didn't know there's the, illustration. Yeah, I think it's his daughter that does illustrations on the uh, on the, the paper, the wrapping. Very cool. Um, but they're, yeah, they're very good. So I don't know. I know there's a Carl Coleman, and if you don't know who Carl Coleman is, um, and most people don't, you should research him, but I believe Carl Coleman to be Tom's mentor. Carl mm-hmm. Coleman is, is just outside the Rochester area. Carl Coleman Fly Shop? Carl yes. D. Coleman? Um, I don't, I don't know. The Carl name. Coleman's Fly Shop, Fly Fishing Upstate New York. Yeah, so he's Coleman uh, Fly Shop. Uh, so if you want to go down a rabbit hole about Tom Rosenbauer, that might be uh, that might be a good place to start. So, so I know that Tom has had a relationship with him. I know Tom. I believe Tom went to college in that area, maybe even Syracuse. Um, he went to a SUNY college. Oh, okay, okay, SUNY yeah, yeah, yeah. Rochester, maybe. But yeah, I mean, whatever whatever Tom says is is damn near biblical. But yeah, I do know there's a there's a some sort of relationship there with uh, with Carl Coleman and Tom's Tom's oh, early early years. Um, I can't speak to beadhead nymphs uh, though. However, all right, wouldn't surprise me though. <laughs> so, just to get ahead of this, because we're going to be talking about several patterns throughout this, I just want to get now your favorite fly of this to mimic and uh, popular one at the store. An attractor nymph. Well, I got an order. Attractor nymph. What's popular? What do you fish? Okay, so so and we have boxes here. Yeah. Y'all don't get to see these. Yeah, these are yeah, filthy. Yeah, popular attra- most popular attractor nymph at the store. Mm. So it, it's it's probably it's probably a prince artist formerly known as Prince. Something that's something the new one that, that has degree. the uh, Copper John is a popular one as well. Okay. You know, and then. Uh, uh, this this kind of rainbow uh, warrior warrior yeah yeah that that kind of deal yeah those are those are uh, a very popular nymph okay. attractor nymph as well favorite caddis nymph and I honestly have one of all the nymphs I, I brought up to show you I have one it's just like chartreuse egg yarn and a black dubbed head yeah which is which is super great so the my favorite caddis nymph is actually right here. It's one of the only flies that I actually don't that in that box. It might be the only fly in that box this that I didn't jammer? tie myself. Yep. So that is tied by a good friend of mine who uh, writes music for the Pittsburgh uh, Orchestra named Thomas Sala. And I don't I don't actually know what he calls that thing, but it's got a little glass bead, little and, black collar, and yeah. some olivey dub with maybe a not even a speck of flash, maybe a. Yes, and it's you know it's just it's very simple. It's rabbit, and uh, I, I love it. So what I, part I, of the rabbit? I rarely I'm, that I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's again. It's one of the it's only flies I don't tie. He when, anytime I run out, we do a trade. You know, I'll, I'll tie him something, and he'll send me a couple dozen of those. And as you can see, I think I only have three left. So mm. um, it's time to it's time to re up Tom Masala. Tom catches some big fish. He fishes the South Holston a lot. Yes. His favorite guide is John Stunkert. If you look at John Stunker, uh, if you look at his Instagram, he catches a ton of just huge fish on that river. I've been out with him one time. Hey, actually, what's interesting, what's really cool, my picture is in the South Holston River Lodge. I got a, I got a good-sized fish that I caught with. How far is that drive? With John. 
uh, about five and a half from here, I would say. Right down 81. Just take the boat. Oh. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. We need to find some good river. Snow White sleeping apples. So that's my that's my favorite one. Um, if I was gonna uh, if I was going to pick like a like a more commercial uh, uh, style, here's like. Caddis, yeah, it would be it would be something very simple, like one of those Czech type caddises, very slim, skinny body, um, something that Perdigon. I have a couple of those in there for sure, but but yeah, okay. Uh, what about the store? Something similar. At the store, the most po- definitely the most popular caddis pattern is a hair's ear nymph, which most people don't. I don't think most people know that that was originally intended to be a caddis pattern. Did not. Yeah, in olive. I do love the hairs here. I like the natural the pee- one. Peeping caddis is another super popular one. Yep. That's a umpqua one, I believe. Uh, so in Hudson Trail Outfitters, I think it's Fulling Mills. No, that one. Peeping. Oh, this one here. You no, know, no, that's like Bush was president when I picked that up. Oh man, yeah, this is so the, our our shop was flashback. get rid of all their stuff, and their moths were eating the mm. all the flies. So I said, yes. "Yo, you got to get mm. rid of those moth eating flies." They're like, "Just mm. take the whole damn thing and." You get rid of what you want and keep what you want. So that's awesome. That's old. My f- personal favorite, other than Tom's, my, as you can see here, my favorite is the olive zebra midge. Is my favorite caddis pattern. It's my favorite midge pattern. There's a lot of them in there. Yes. Did and you bite your is. nails? Yes, I do. I can tell. Uh, you can't uh, do that these days. Yeah, but this is this jar. is just a do it all uh, nymph. So so tie your zebra midges in olive with uh, a little bit of gold or uh, actually copper i like even better ultra wire with a with a brassy size yeah brassy size with a Ooh, here's a good question for you which is smaller extra small or brassy i don't know i have to go look i know i don't have my car no nobody knows can we cut it equal amount and put it on the digital scale i think it's small i think extra small is smaller than brassy okay but i'm not sure i don't know i never really (laughs) use those all right uh damselfly hmm Snow White Damsel for sure has been my favorite. Although I don't really use it as a nymph, though. So, I. so I, don't I know use what it. it is. Yeah, I use it as a streamer. And really, honestly, until the uh, until the dam until I kind of got onto that fly, I never really used damselfly nymphs much at all for anything. And then I think you sent me a video of a damselfly eating a fish. You found that. Oh, okay, maybe I And that's that. when I was like, yeah, I'm not putting that in my aquarium anymore. Those things are vicious. Yeah, and then ever since then, I was like, oh, that's just the coolest thing. All right, thing. we have, yeah, hold that's on. my favorite, for sure. Sounds mm. like a Huey. Yeah. And then I don't know if anybody knows. That's Fairfax probably, County. Probably Police nobody knows. I actually have my own. Hold on a second. That's Eagle One. It's going to scare the bear away. You got to see the bear that was around here the other day. You ready for this thing? I've actually developed my own... Uh, Variant of the Snow White Damsel. Yeah, that's 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 insane. You like the egg yarn? Yeah. So I I tied the, the egg yarn Snow White Damsel. I dig it. And then I braid the I braid the egg yarn, and I've caught steelhead now on that. I've caught trout now. I've caught smallmouth. I've caught plenty of shad on it. And I you know I don't think it it doesn't get the kind of movement 
that the 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 natural one does. Right. But it's easier to find egg yarn than damsel plumes. It is that because those are tough to come by, and I do think it's more durable. But it, it doesn't it doesn't look as as realistic. If you put the two flies next to each other, it looks more realistic. But in the water, definitely yeah. not. It doesn't I, have the movement. I tied up egg yarn clousers for my trip to Florida to look like snotty bait fish. Never got to fish them. Mm. That was your inspiration. All right, your favorite egg fly, most popular store egg fly. Most popular store egg fly is definitely the glow bug. Most, my favorite is the three-loop pink, pink lady. lady. Yeah, yeah, three-loop pink right. lady. Yeah. Helgermite. Definitely. We're getting my yarn tonight. You're going to tie up Yeah, I, I, I like that one. To be perfectly honest with you, I, I, I got to go. I've never really fished Helgermites for trout. I was just, I know that yeah, the for, Mossy Creek for, boys for love trout, it. For trout, I don't have an opinion. For smallmouth, I prefer the uh, the chuck craft, the, the critter the mite. Critter critter mites, yes. Right. Favorite mayfly pattern. Favorite store mayfly. My favorite mayfly. Well, okay. So if we're off of a tractor mayfly, my favorite mayfly is definitely the pheasant tail and English or American. Also, also, um, the, and that's also the most popular in the store. Right. And that, that's definitely the most popular nymph, and it would definitely be American. All right. Uh, yeah. Midge, you're going to go with the zebra? Definitely the zebra midge. Yeah. I just tied this little, I just do thread, glass bead, mm. and like a little puff behind it. That's yeah, like fish that in looks, Colorado. that looks great. I that, like the yeah. Ginny midge, too. Okay. It's a pretty one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, scud? So I have my own that I tie, which is right right here, and this is called the Ziploc Scud. And I do it in a few different colors, right? And that's like the uh, – and so what that guy is is it's got a uh, a small tungsten bead on an Orvis Scud hook. It's got a collar of – it's got a collar of rabbit from uh, a dark part of the uh, ear, like kind of like the, the backside of the ear where it's dark. And then I use... That looks like um, a caddis, man. I use Hair's Ice Dub for the body in some various colors. And I use a Ziploc bag and ultra... Uh, Ziploc bag for the shell back and ultra, ultra wire. Yeah, it does. It does kind of look like a caddis, you know, and, and that's kind of by design. All right. What about Crest Bugs? I got the Coburn Crest Bug. I've never fished it. Uh, Humphrey's Crest Bug is my Ooh. favorite. And getting, getting Humps, Larry on here is Humps, not easy. Humph's Crest Bug. Did you got one of them jammers? Um, I can look it up. No, no. We'll all Google Those it. Those were also stolen. Oh, this is all stuff that I've tied. Yes, to um, help you. Go away. And this is all stuff that I've tied just kind of in the last couple months or whatever. Mm-hmm. You got a favorite mycid? You ever get out west? This is an Umqua mycid, but my preference is the Craven one, which is tied with white egg yarn and black rubber legs as the eyes. I put a little dot of orange glow bug yarn in to look like guts or eggs. So... I, I've only fished these once on the Blue River. Yeah, man. Uh, Below Dillon? Right, like right outside of Silverthorne? Yeah, it's, right going, it's the only time yeah. I've caught one on and the one I've And the one I've used was like probably that fly or something yeah, very similar to it. All right. Sweet. Uh, favorite stone fly? Definitely uh, Pat's Rubber Legs, also known as the Girdle Bug, also Pick, known as the Turd Stone. Pickle Bug, Also maybe? known as the Pickle Bug. Yeah. And then here's about... That's insane, dude. Hundred or so of those. That, that it I, looks that like I tie it looks like a spaceship full of aliens yeah. get ready to. And I land. also these are also great for steelhead as well. I use for everything. For, yeah, for everything. It's very rare that. What's that one tied is, with? This is not on a rig. Do when you tie those with my Helgermut yarn? Mm. Uh, you know, this is chenille, and then that 
That's just the a, black part. That's Sharpie. Uh, that's all that is is Sharpie. All right. A lot of Sharpies in my What's car. What's your favorite worm? I see you got a squirmy. You remember, you can't leave those in your car when it's hot. Yeah, so these are squirmies that I've I've tied. That's definitely my favorite worm. All right, man. Let's squirmy. talk about how patterns have changed throughout the years. Classic patterns like a parmachine bell or a partridge in orange to a pheasant tail and a killer bug they to haven't. the copper john. So here's what's great. Well... Fish haven't changed. No, and and honestly, unlike streamers, nymphs and dry flies have actually changed very little. I think, right? They've just been made tactical, mm-hmm. right? And and synthetics, you know, have obviously added little a la some things to to many of our traditional favorite patterns. You know, maybe there's a flashback, maybe there's a you know some dubbing or whatever in the collar. But a pheasant's tail is still a pheasant tail, right? And a hare's ear is still a hare's ear, and a partridge in orange is. You know, still, still, you know, that's not a traditional kind, but there's, there's kind of a, you know, they're all, they're all pretty, pretty darn similar, I think. So we are, we already went over selectivity. So are you matching hatches or mostly just prospecting? Because knowing that they're opportunistic feeders, they're going to eat what you put in. Yeah, I I think when you're nymphing, you should always be prospecting, right? I think you're doing yourself a disservice by, you know, wasting your time trying to figure Mm -hmm. out what, you know, I think instead you should go with uh, sort of the standard standard issue nymphs that are proven, tried and true, and just sort of make adaptations to those flies based on your fishery, right? So regardless of the time of year, you know, a pheasant tail is going to be an excellent way to start or, or you know, past rubber legs or a hare's ear or a zebra midge or just things that you typically find in every fishery. And then you can sort of adapt those flies, whether you're tying them yourself or whether you're buying them. Um, after you get to know the fishery to figure out what they need. So there's a fishery that I just recently started exploring that, you know, I figured out that red is definitely the color. And so... Which is odd because red wavelength disappears once you go underwater. It's definitely the color. And another guy that that works with me fishes it as well, Mike Trunzo. And Mike, you know, has also discovered that red is... He likes the brown trouts. Yes, he likes the brown trouts. Um, so red copper johns and red zebra midges are out fishing other stuff uh, uh, a lot, and and we know this because back in the day, we're you throwing fished, two flies all the yeah, time. You, know? you would have fished a serendipity back in the day, maybe. maybe. <laughs> so you're doing a, a two fly rig, and they're picking off the red one. Mm, they love the red one. All right, man. Like yeah. the but the, the size of your trout goes up dramatically uh, when you use a patch rubber leg. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are you tying? So we're going to do tying and then fishing mm. these flies. Are you going realistic or impressionistic? If someone's going to look at your box, do your mayflies have three legs on each side and, and three mm. split tails? Never. Or do you have Never. gills on your midges? Some of them, maybe. But but no. No, on my midges. No. No, no, no. No, never. never. Oh, and here's, we didn't talk about dragonflies. Here's my dragonfly. It's yeah, made out of my Helgermite yarn. I saw that. It's pretty. That's pretty that is really good. cool. It's just furled. So there's some amazing impressionistic tires, and I want to call out this guy that I found on Instagram, who is really one of my favorite ones to follow. If you're looking for realistic, um, he's getting some impressionist stuff too. But uh, his name is Luca Baroselli. Baroselli. Luca Baroselli. So that's Luca underscore B A R O S S E L L I. And he is Italian. He has got flies in there that are so beautiful, I would never even consider even casting them. Um, and he uses a lot of CDC. 
and he's got some amazing things and he posts a lot of great big fish photos so they clearly work but Luca? yeah you following him on your store page yep that's l-u-c-a Luca underscore. Yeah, the underscore, I think, is critical there. So Luca Brazzi. Yeah, Luca Brazzi. That's what we're going to call him from now on. He's got just amazing flies, and, and, and these things look so unbelievably realistic. And he basically puts CDC in absolutely everything. But, like, look at that. Yeah, that's... But the thing is, once that gets wet, does it, it just all collapses. I have no idea. I have no idea. I found but, him. Uh, Luca underscore Barroselli 2S2L1I. But no, I want my nymphs to to be the exact opposite. I don't want my nymphs to look like any one specific thing, right? I want them to be taken for a broad range I of... I love this little dude. Are yeah, you? and that's why the mayfly, or that's why the pheasant tail is so good, right? Because it could just be anything. So I'm, I'm wetting a killer bug right now. I mean, just look at that thing. Mm. Looks like everything. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's another great great fly, right? I mean, you know, it could be a crayon fly, it could be a caddis, right? I mean, any shrimp. kind of lover. Yeah, shrimp. I'm gonna give you some of that yarn too to play with. All right. Uh, speaking of yarn, how much do you do synthetic and how much do you do natural? In nymphs, it's pretty fifty fifty. I, I mean, I, it, there's a lot of. Um, it, do you remember grills from back in the day? The hip hop rappers' teeth. Mm. These rows look yes. like their teeth. There's yes. a lot of silver. Yes. It looks yes. like my mouth with fillings. Yes. And there's flash. And you don't have your name on your box in case you drop it. No. It just says loser. It does say loser sticker. My daughter put that on. Uh, well, they're going to send Which this is so, to... Which uh, so true. Yeah. What's that singer's name? I'm a loser, baby. Oh, my God. I was just We were just listening to that song. Uh, is it Beck? Beck. Yeah, it's this Beck. could be yeah, Beck's yeah. box. Right, it's Beck. My wife loves, loves the song Deborah by Beck, mm. I believe. All right, little 50 50. Uh, so, yeah, definitely 50 50. What materials do you choose based on their properties? Mostly hydrophilic materials that are going to absorb water and sink? Um, I want movement. I definitely want movement. I definitely want, you know, sink I don't worry about because I definitely will, you know, I've got no qualms about using split shot or putting, uh, you know, lead-free wire in the nymphs or, or whatever you know I, I do realize that that you know pertigon 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 yeah, pertigon nymphs and you know with the advent of like tungsten beads and things like that you can get things down uh, uh faster and um, the fact that you're losing them man that's kind of you're gambling do i want to catch more fish or do i want to flush money down the creek mm-hmm. i lose I, flies I, man i can't I, be I, using tungsten. I think i think movement you see a lot of my flies have you know, collars of, of partridge or rabbit or, you know, things right. that are wispy. and We'll get into soft tackles, man. I think every move in the water. When you can, soft tackle it. Yeah. You, there's nothing better there's than no finding... Bat, there's, no, there's no reason to not put a, a hackle on the collar. <laughs> a few things get me excited in fly time other than, like, a really good soft tackle. Yeah. It's still, when I was at Justin's house yeah. out in Colorado... Yeah, yeah. He had the nicest soft tackle skin i'd ever seen really i probably should have just nicked it this one I, I mean i've just gotten so yeah. many fish on that it's so thing. buggy looking yeah yeah i love that kind of take stuff. that picture that in my dirty paw Here, here's like a like a sulfur kind of version here with a these quill quill bodies have really um, natural quill or synthetic quill these are natural quills these Did are you hand, soak yours first these are hand strip quills no no should i soak them uh, i i think that makes them more pliable Really? Again, I'm not a quill tire. 
I used to read a lot about AK Best and his love of quills. That's mostly for dries. Really? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Here's like a like a sulfur ish oh, yeah. kind of one. My goodness. <clears throat> and then here's a like a black one, like a black and red. I feel bad for y'all at home. I mean, we're gonna have pictures of these. Art just might have to take a picture of every one of these. Yeah. And then, uh, or I'll do it downstairs and upload it to the blog. Um. Yeah, and then and then you know here's a here's one of my favorites, a guide's choice. Yeah. Which, um, which is pretty much. I mean, like that's similar to to my head and infant charge. It, it has the best of everything in it. Yeah. And theoretically, that I mean, if I was going to fish nymphs, that's probably the only thing I would fish. Yeah, and and that's a great fly. I mean, I tie these by the dozens, you know, and use them a lot. Right. And here's a you know a pheasant tail one with a mm. and then orange and then orange orange or red colors should be All right. On so the everything. next question, <laughs> hot spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wh why at the head versus any other part of the body? No, I think I think it's I think you could put it anywhere. Okay. I think you put it where it's convenient to put it's it. It's convenience. Yeah, it's completely convenience. I do believe that fish find uh, find hot spots. Uh, absolutely. Just I think something they, that sticks yeah. that fly out against every other morsel of something swimming by. Gives, gives them a reason to, to look. Garnish. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, what about col same with collars? Same with collars. Have you ever used the hairline weighted collars there's like collar beads no fish collars really yes no so you can put a bead behind your bead no okay no that's just thread for me uh, other than ziploc bags epoxy and shells on your flies loon uh the loon uh clear what uv whatever whatever in the in the thick thin and flow is probably on every single one of these nymphs. All right. Now, at this point, most of them at least, yeah. Nice. Uh, let's get into hooks, man. That's that's a pretty serious uh, consideration. What sizes for each, and do you carry multiple sizes of each, like a 14, 16, 18? So, yes. So, oh, boy. So, some people argue that a range in sizes is more important than variety in colors. Now I, I disagree with that. You know, Tom Tom Rosenbauer says that a lot. And he's a lot smarter than me. But I disagree with that, and I'm gonna tell you why. Let's put a little common sense here into into fly fishing. Okay. So let's say that your stream has got a ton of size sixteen mayflies, right? And that, like, you know, let's say let's say sulfurs are hatching, right? So you got sixteen, eighteen mayflies, right? So a but a brand new sort of let's call it a baby, right? Hatchling Nymph. A fresh one. A fresh nymph that, that has now just became a nymph. How big is that, right? And and I think it's reasonable to assume that nymphs grow over time. They get larger, right? right. Before they get larger. metamorphosis, enough. like a grasshopper. Yeah. It goes boom, 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 boom. Right, right. And so they get larger, right? And they take, you know, I've been told that they take roughly a year, in most cases, to, to you know, become an adult, Right and, and and sort of hatch. Sexual so, maturation in scientific terms, we would go with. Okay, all right. Because they're ready to they're, they're means, hatching but... because they're ready to reproduce. Sure, sure. So, so if there's nymphs that are one year old, then it's I think it's reasonable to assume that there's nymphs that are six months old, right? And then I think beyond that, it's reasonable to assume that there's nymphs that are two months old, right? And even one month old. And they're and all getting lost in that drift going downstream. Yeah, and so I think that regardless, there's a a variety of sizes of not only multiple kinds of nymphs, but that exact same nymph in every stream. And one thing that I have learned by flipping over rocks is that 
there is absolutely no consistency in what you will find. Right. So, <laughs> you know, analogy, let's say you're a cannibal and instead of eating chicken wings out front, you're looking at all the people walking by on my street. Everyone's a different size. We're all the same organism, but there's like four foot tall people, five foot tall. I got a seven foot tall neighbor and client that walks by here. And then, and then, you know, if you're a predator, the one that you attack is the weakest right. one from the group, right? That's the one why. that's easiest to obtain. I right? say, don't strip that woolly bugger so fast, man. Lions don't eat the fast gazelle. They eat the gimpy one. Mm. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good in, point. In fishing terms, they use the term crippled often. So I don't know how important, honestly, uh, the size of the nymph really is. You know, so kind of... Uh, if they're going to eat a 12, they're going to eat a 14. I think it's, so. It's like... Yeah. I think so. They don't I mean, have a. You know, I, I wouldn't. A I wouldn't recommend like you know fishing size twelve midges, right? I think you should be in the ballpark, right? So you know my. That would be a big are, old brassy like. Look that. Yeah, so I think my midges are definitely you know, eighteen, twenty. They're 20, very shiny. Twenty-two, right? You know, and my mayflies are kind of eighteen, you know, but I, I have some twenties in here as well, but that's mostly for a little water. Right, like like I usually small go. Plop. Yeah, I go smaller. Uh, if it's low and clear, I will definitely downsize the nymphs. If it's high water, I will go big. Did you hear they, the North Branch got drained yesterday? No. On the Delaware. Uh, like it's it's ankle deep. The North Branch. Hold on. Or you mean the West Branch? Find, West Branch. Let me find Futter's Twitter. No. Let's uh, find Joe D. Malderis. <laughs> Joe's a funny dude. I like that guy. Where is it? But Eels, something about someone's foot. When I fish pens, I fish my, this is a green drake nymph that I tie. Um, and it doesn't look like any green drake nymph, probably. Or maybe it does, I don't know. But I've been tying this for years. It's beautiful. It's and, so buggy looking. And I fish that when I'm on Penn's Creek. Um, you know, my neighbor's got a place there. We it, need to uh, catch fish. We need to go find Doc. Mm. Steve Sautner. Give me a post-it about it. Have fun, have fun with your flies. Like if you tie, just tie whatever, whatever you think. And chances are it's going to work. <laughs> I mean, with nymphs, there is never a nymph. I don't think I've ever seen a nymph that I don't, I'm not convinced would catch fish. You know what I mean? Like most of them are great. I cannot find the, yeah. So apparently they drained, they dropped the water to like ankle deep. In the Delaware yesterday. Mm. All right. We grab a beer. Do you want to talk about the weight of your hooks while I'm gone? And then you'll surprise me when I... No, I'm going to hit the head. All right, it's out back. Yeah, and then you can edit that out. (laughs) You know what? I'll just... I can pause this one. There you go. All right, we're back. Y'all didn't get to see that, but we're back. So weight of a hook. How deep in the water column do you want a hook based on... It, what would, the specific gravity of that hook. And hooks are all made of the same metal pretty much, so it's just the, I guess, the actual thickness of a heavy nymph hook. So, so a couple, couple things. One, if you're putting... All right, so, so there's, a, there's, a few, there's a few layers to this. One is decide the nymph, the specific pattern. You have to find a hook that fits the pattern, right? whether it's heavy or not heavy. The second thing you need to do is figure out the proportions of the nymph. So like for me, if 
Okay. So for me, if I am, I work for, I decide whether or not this nymph's going to have a bead, right? If it's going to have a bead, like let's say I'm tying a mayfly nymph imitation. If I'm going to tie a bead, I need to figure out how long the hook is, right? So typically it's two to three X long if it's a bead. Okay. Extra space. Yep. Yep. And uh, Char Charlie Craven's got a great article breaking down hooks in uh, spring or summer fly fishermen. It's a pretty good article. Alright, so here and, is... And beads also just aid in you not covering the head if you're a novice or experienced tire. So here's an example. Uh, here's a guide's choice. Okay. So if I tie a guide's choice, I'm going to tie... I got butterfingers. Uh, that's right. Uh, if I'm going to use a guide's choice as an example, this is a fly that has... It's got a bead. It's got an orange collar of thread. And it has a collar of uh, partridge, Right. So I use a 3X hook because I'm putting three things at the head of the fly. Do you off the top of your head know that model of hook? 7038. No, it's a Daiichi 3X okay. long nymph hook. I don't know what the, what the model number is. Two things on the head of the hook, I use a 2X long hook, right? So in the case of a good case here would be this flashback pheasant tail that I tied, right? Right? So there's a bead. And there's the uh, the collar of uh, peacock, mm -hmm. right? So there's two things on that. That's a two x long hook. <clears throat> so an example of when I would use like a one x long hook is if I'm only putting one thing on the head of the fly, right? So in in the case of this uh, soft hackle here, there's just one thing, which is the the hackle of partridge. That's a one x. So that's long very hook. similar to my big steelhead stone uh, mayfly. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. That If I had one steelhead fly for hmm. salmon, it... Yeah. So yeah, that's it, the that's yeah. the rule. That's the rule that I, I go by for the length, and, and that's a rule that I just made up myself. I don't know that that's a steadfast rule, but that's that's the rule that I go by. As far as the weight of the, of the nymph goes, that's going to depend on the particular dimensions of, uh, of the fly itself, right? So if, I'm, if I can... Put a bead and uh, uh, lead-free wire into my hook. I'm not so concerned with the weight of okay. that of that hook. You're going to compensate in other ways. So I'm going to compensate in other ways. Yeah, yeah. Hook gap. Yeah. So I think hook hook gap is important, uh, but only important to the dimensions uh, proportions of the fly. I don't think hook gap is in, as important on nymphs as it is on streamers. Not that you want to. You know, have a have a hook gap that isn't wide enough, but I definitely don't think that it's as critical as it is with uh, with streamers. All right, hook eye. Are you using big eye hooks because you're using tiny tippet, straight eye, down eye? Um, if I'm eye? using a bead, I typically like a downed eye. If I'm using a bead, uh, I really don't. I, to be perfectly frank with you, I don't pay a ton of attention to the orientation of the eye. I think that that's a little, uh, a little much. Specialty nymph hooks. We mentioned this before. There's no hairs ear hook. There's no specific hook for a cat's rubber leg. Yes, I will not pay extra for a barbless hook because I can smash. I, and every single one of these flies in this box are barbless because right, I no. smashed them all before no. I even tied the fly. Lefty told me do not smash your barbs perpendicular. That you should smash them in line direction of the hook. Not to the side. I don't really see the difference, but I guess that'll smash down. How do you smash them any other way than so instead of per going perfect and dip perpendicular? You put the hemostat in there like this. Let's smush it. 
Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I had some fun with Lefty at the two fly tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. Which recorded more of that. Euro, you just go with the... And and those nymphs, which we covered in Joe Bragg's podcast, have a specific angle to their hook eye to make them jiggy. I could see that. There are certain uh, the kind of Euro-style nymphs. The Euro techniques work just as good with regular nymphs, too. They just ride more barbless-y? Yeah, and, and then I think the jig nymphs... I mean, uh, the jig nymphs definitely... They definitely snag less. Right. That's right. what I meant. Not barbelously, but sna- like Clouser style. But the, but the beads are twice the price, and the hooks are twice the price. So, and you lose half the nymphs. So, you you know, you do the math. Do you go for a balance in your hook to make your fly ride a certain direction? No. All right. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Word. Yeah. Dubbing. Natural, synthetic, blends. Do you make your own? Do you use belly button lint? What you got going? All of the above. Like, I got some belly button right here. Yeah, I, I definitely... Uh, I, I prefer natural dubbing. I really love that hair's uh, ice dub. Makes your, if I'm gonna, if I'm it gonna it use dyes synthetic, your fingers. Yeah, if I, it does. If I'm going to use synthetic, I, I really like that one because it, it's, it's buggy. Got, it's buggy. It's got little hairs that stick out. stick out. Yep. Bugs have little hairs on them. I don't know as much aquatics, but... Yeah, you have, you have uh, is, it, is it trichomes? Besides, just no on idea. the the wing of a caddis. I have no idea. Like the little barbules that come mm. off of. Yeah, I, I don't know. Bugs have is apophyses and divots and yeah, they're not smooth bodied as people. No, think. no. I I think less is more, but you know that's uh, you always hear that less dubbing than what you need. Always less dubbing. Than what you need. How much yes. dubbing loop versus just twisting on with a little bit of nose grease or earwax? Very rarely do I use wax. Dubbing wax and dubbing loops, I only use in streamers and bars when I tie bars hex nymph. It's the only time I use a dubbing loop when I use right. when I tie nymphs. Soft hackles, partridge. Uh, do you like a, a hen hackle? I like those on my my jumbo johns. This the, is a, a big steelhead jumbo john. I also tie that for carp. Mm, yes, hen hackles for big big flies like this one, which is probably like an eight. Partridge for little flies. I love, dude, partridge? Yes. It's something you should never buy sight unseen. Absolutely. Like yes. ordering a Russian mail order bride yes, back in the day. I mean, email order brides like mine are fine because I'm going to show you. I had one, I found this at my in law's house. I'm going to show you the picture my wife had when we first met. I took this at her parents' house. I had to go back to Labor Day weekend. I had no idea what she looked like when we first met. Uh, a hackle gauge is critical. Never use one of those. I love using that hackle gauge. Whiting sells one. Do you keep uh, it on your vice? I had, I, I oh, yeah, look at that. You had no idea what that woman looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, her profile yeah, said she was seven feet tall. Oh, my God. All right. Do you tie them in tip end or stem end first and wrap forward? Tip end, always. Yeah. All right. Um, as with uh, as with hackles on wooly bug, actually hackles on just about everything. Tip in. All right, we're going to discuss uh, added weight beads and cones. Uh, preference for glass beads. Um, I've never tied with a glass bead. I don't know that I've ever used. They a do glass break. Be- uh, uh, yep. And uh, but nine-year-old Tom, girls but, take them. But my favorite, uh, my fa- my, fa- well, I use glass beads in streamers. All right. Cool thing of glass beads. You can use your loon. I use Solares. 
take a small like uh, size 14 hook, put on six little green beads, and then start with a black bead for head, four or five little green beads, mm-hmm. coat it with epoxy, and hit it. Oh, it's, really? I, a French dude showed me. Yeah. I'll have to check Beautiful. That out. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, uh, but my favorite little caddis here has a glass bead. Right. That's the one that Tom Masala ties. Metal beads. Preference for brass. Preference because price. We already discussed that. Yes. You can use other weights to get it down. Do you go shiny, dull, textured, uh, faceted, if you will? Depends on what it is. I love this. If is I a, can get, I love this little jammer. So tungsten beads are extremely expensive. So if I'm tying a fly that I can get the lead-free wire on without messing with the proportions of the fly, I always do. So uh, I use brass. So then I use brass, right? And then I end up using a lot less dubbing to build up the body because the, that, that helps, you know, the-, the Dubbing's so expensive these days. Yeah, so, so lead-free wire helps to build the, you know, you use less dubbing when you use it. So in the case of like a zebra midge where I do not have the ability to put the lead-free wire because it would mess with the proportions, I use the tungsten beads. So so kind of as an example here, all these flies in here, only a f- handful of them have tungsten beads because they're, they are expensive. They do it's work. for specific, we'll get into that with fishing, water depth and stuff. Yeah, uh, and then often, and I haven't really tied them yet to replace them, often I have a lot of uh, unweighted flies with no bead. And then what I'll do is I'll carry uh, some beads. I have like a little bead box that I carry on the, uh, on the stream. And I'll often just slip a bead onto the tippet before I tie the fly on. And then, voila, bead head, bead head nymph. Do you ever use putty? Uh, I have. I have used the putty. I've got mixed feelings about it. Sometimes I love it when it works. Uh, sometimes I hate it when it doesn't. But it, it, it does work. I don't like it when the water's really cold. It's hard to get on and off. It's a little less malleable when the water's warm. Uh, it works wonders. It's great. Do you ever use those preformed scud weighted <coughs> bodies that are lead and you just wrap over it with dubbing and it looks like a scud? No. Okay. No. What I've ab- seen them. They look pretty cool though. What about skulls? Fish skulls? <laughs> only for printed only jam- for streamers? I have an idea with Martin. I, I like their products for streamers. I, I think for nymphs it's a little much. I don't I don't see the added added the, the caddis head, the mayfly head. Yeah. They're not looking at it that no analytically. No, I right. don't think so. Flash. What kind of flash do you like? Uh, I would say crystal flash and nymphs, flashaboo or the uh, the mirage. What is that called? Tinsel mm-hmm. or whatever. That you know, I'll use that in the flashbacks. But often I think those are a little too gaudy. So sometimes, like in the case of like this one, there's just one strip of flashaboo down right. the back of that green drink. That's the nymph. first plane that's flown over us all night. Oh, really? It's kind of strange. Hmm. That's Frontier. <laughs> you, you can tell by the sound of the engine. <laughs> you live here enough, you fish it graveling <laughs> along the Potomac. I told you, I guess the helicopter, you can guess uh, the plane. So, uh, yeah, I just use a little bit of... The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. 
Did I tie that? You tied that. No, I tied that. Yeah. And then you got the poxy on it because brown trout teeth, they're going to yes. tear up a yes. little flash. Ma matter of fact, here, here. So I hooked up a decent-sized brown on pens on this one, not this past trip, but I think the trip before that. And you can see how he pulled the quill ribbing, like, off the... Right. Because of, of his teeth. Charlie Craven likes... I love Charlie Craven flies, by the way. He, 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 the dude's insane. Mm -hmm. uh, monofilament. He'll use, like, 5X as a wrap instead of a wire on his mayflies. <clears throat> and, and I just need to email him and ask him why. I don't know, maybe the translucence or something or, to I don't know. Degree. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, your preference rubber legs. We talked about brands and stuff. So Flexi Floss, Centipede, Round Rubber, uh, Skirts. You got a little bit of everything up in your... Yes. His rubber leg box is insane. Yes, yes. There's lots of... Lots of Hold ones. that up for the camera. We're going to get a picture of that. You too. Oh, smile. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, whatever I can get. You know, these little Centipede ones are... Or insect. Yeah, silly leg. So I, tiny. I don't... There's so many different ones. Those ones are great. They offer a lot of movement. They're very weak. They break off. Uh, I like the round rubbers. Yes. Yeah, so, so then uh, the silly legs are flatter, right? right. And don't do and well with UV light. And they're the most firm, I think. I think those are the most durable are the silly legs. So I'll, I'll use those. And you'll see here that I'll actually tie the same exact fly often with different legs and different color legs, right? So the uh, the black and chartreuse one stick out. It's a black body with a chartreuse. So this uh, one's pur leg. purple and chartreuse. Oh, purple. Yeah. You know. Purple and chartreuse. I would call this the Joker. Yeah. Uh, Here, this one's uh, uh, like a bar. Uh, so that big 25-inch uh, brown that I posted um, not too long ago with our new guy, James, was teaching him how to Euro nymph. Oh, my goodness. You see that fish? That's all head. So that was caught on. Uh, oh, this, I'm like a rusty orange. You know, I got rusty orange. This uh, rubber leg here. Yarn. That was his first time ever uh, Euro nymphing. I was so I've got yes. this fancy Hemingway bug parts. Mm -hmm. uh, you also have okay, best wing case. What's my dude from Sweden's name? Jason. He, he Jason looks like a cowboy. He's from Sweden. Yeah. What are your thoughts on like really lifelike wing cases prefab versus using Swiss straw or? Uh, a turkey quill. Yes. Yeah, so turkey quill, as you as you know, it's the material that I hate the most in all of fly time. Do you spray yours first? Um, no, I have. I, I I just hate it. I hate it. I can't work with it. It breaks. It's annoying. It requires. It tastes so good though. Spray. Um, this is beautiful. This is probably thin skin. I no, think, that that's a uh, that's an actual body. That's prefab. You tie it in and, and fold oh, it over. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hemingway prop. You can do this with thin skin. So do you want? Yeah. You, you know what I, I you skin. know what I use most uh, most often? I'll either use I like pheasant tail fibers and a little bit of the epoxy stuff. Okay. I often and I did this a lot when I steelhead fish. The the best is is black electrical tape. Nice. Fold it over, cut it. Durable. Yeah, scotch tape. Another one. Hit it with a sharpie. Dude, and my father in law stuff. fixes everything. I'll show you in the house. There's like clear a clear duct tape, masking tape. You'll find it out here. Uh, tape. It's silver uh, plumbing tape. You look around my house, dude. Yuri's got mm. that stuff on everything. Tape. Uh, tape is makes phenomenal. Yeah, different kinds of tape. Right. Get into it. Now, when a fish sees a fly, yeah. and technically all nymphs are dorsoventually flattened, we tie them round. Are you more concerned with the top? Joe Humphreys would tell you to flatten all of your nymphs. And rub them on a, a wet, muddy yeah. rock. <laughs> yeah, 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 to get the scent off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want a profile side, top, ventral? 
I don't think about it. All right. I don't think about it. That's that's, Seg- that's too much. We've 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 gone down the rabbit hole at that yeah. point. Segmentation. Do you I, want? I like segmentation. Okay. Yeah. I love uh, spaghetti string from the craft store. Hmm. I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's like vinyl rib, but hollow. Or um, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Oh, he passed away a couple years ago. What's his name? Uh, Shane Stalcup. Okay. He's tubing in some phenomenal flies. Yes, uh, especially when I steel head flies. Uh, love the love the tubing. Yes, segmenta- wire. segmentation wire. Yes, it's very easy to do, um, and it definitely stands out. We don't use enough of. Do you know what telephone wire is? When I was a kid at camp, you make bracelets out of it. Mm-hmm. Purple, white dot, purple, white dot, purple, or orange, blue slash orange. We need to use those for tying nymphs. I'm going to find you some. They're okay. outside the electrical phone box at Four Mile Run. It's <laughs> coated wire that's already colored. And the fact that nobody ties with this stuff is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I you know, one thing I do is I put, like, especially on something like Pat's Rubber Legs, I use the... Uh, the solar res or the loon and i put you see like i just put a little head yeah on there just a little something they probably don't see it but i like it's it durability for the head of the fly too yeah it's bumping the rocks yeah it's yeah. like a helmet all right uh how much movement do you want we know rubber legs soft hackles yeah it depends on the fly uh i think um like quasimodo great great bluegill fly oh that's a good looking book do you guys still sell that i don't think so Here's another filthy one, man. But that'll do it. Rooshers, steelhead stone. Yes, yes, yes. My these gosh. Are, these are good. Um, carp in the canal. Really? Yeah, yeah. Jeff this, Sylvan. This and the steelhead hammer, which is pretty much exactly the same yeah. fly without the... Polish, That's all good. I'll collect it some other time. Without the Polish woven jam. Never have done the woven nymphs. I, I have. I, I've, I've learned how to do it. it. It's fun. I don't know. It gives kind of that segmentation look to it. It's kind of a lot of time, a lot of energy. All right, let's talk um, fishing these flies. Yep. Nymphine, rod length, and then let's go into action. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a, a nymph rod you're going to go to? A lot of people like the 10-foot three weights now. I saw a beautiful one in your store the other day. Yes. Those new recons have a nice reel seat on them. Yes, yes, those are nice. So uh, it depends on the tactics. So, so for the average Joe, whatever you're fishing dry flies with, that's really you should probably be fishing your nymphs with most of the time, right? You know, so if you if you're fishery when you're fishing dries or dry dropper, if you're using a you know nine foot five weight or nine foot four weight or seven and a half foot three weight, because that's the kind of size of the fish and the environment around you. American and the, Airlines <laughs> and the trees. Well, then that that should be the uh, the rod that you nymph with, right? If you want to get into uh, more quote unquote tactical or you know some of the higher stick european stuff um yeah a longer rod if i had one rod to fish for trout with it would probably be a nine foot five weight rod i like a medium action stick (laughs) the 10 footers are amazing for the high stick uh just the reach yes keep that line off the water yeah yeah but they do they do become cumbersome when you're casting dry flies and trying to be really accurate they don't do as well, like, if you want to switch to a streamer. Um, when you catch a big fish doing the bleach bucket method, there's not a whole lot of base to that rod. There is not a whole lot of base to that rod. 
They're often extremely soft, which helps in the uh, you know identifying the the, the strike. Yeah, on those longer ten footers and eleven footers, they do. They have enough fighting power. They have more fighting power for sure than a than a regular three weight, uh, ten foot three weight does. But uh, truth be told, man, most of the streams that I fish don't require anything longer than a nine foot. All right. What about your leader? Do you add to the butt or do you add to the tip to make them longer? It depends on what I'm doing. Uh, you know, basically, I have sort of three stages of nymphing. And Break that down. Okay. Let's so, do so there's sort of three stages of nymphing for me. So it's usually a... First, I start out with some sort of configuration. If I decide I want to throw a dry fly or a streamer, I will be able to very easily by just using tippet and not taking the leader off, switch, switch that stuff out, right? So usually it's, it's uh, I go from, I look at the water and I say, okay, you know, this is good dry fly or dry dropper water, right? But I could also use a suspension rig in here, right? If I want to, so I'll work it with the dry fly or the dry dropper. And, you know, if I'm convinced, hey, there's a fish in here that I absolutely have to catch, then I will go to a suspension rig. And more recently, more often than not, that suspension rig has been the New Zealand wool, New Zealand strike indicator, which I find to be uh, amazing, nothing short of amazing. So it's great, not even just for low, uh, clear waters and a lot of the spring creeks that I've been fishing. You notice a lot of things we use are tasty. We got New Zealand lamb, we got pheasants, merino wool, rabbits. Everything we tie these flies with are delicious. Now, this could be because I'm getting hungry. <laughs> All right. So when you mean suspension, you mean below the surface at an exact depth, riding in the water column. Yes, yes. An indicator rig. It's floating. It's suspending the nymphs uh, at some position above the bottom, right? Uh, highly visual, very easy method to uh, to learn to use. Many people use, you know, there's just a thousand different strike indicators out there and they all are all good and they all have their purpose. I find the New Zealand indicator to be the most sensitive, the easiest to cast. And you would be amazed at how much weight uh, one of those will will hold up. Versus right? just using like a Ausable Wolf or a White Wolf? Yeah, so the, the, that would be my first choice. Okay. Uh, my first choice would be to, you know, use the fly that the dry fly that I'm prospecting with and hopefully or uh, hopefully I can it's big enough that I can suspend a nymph from it but sometimes that's not enough sometimes you can't get a fly down well enough and effectively enough with using a dry fly the water might be too fast um, the pool might be too deep and you know you don't want to have a 12 foot nymph dangle you know 12 foot of tippet dangling off your dry fly right so you you switch to a a, nymph, a suspension rig. For me, my first choice, depending on the water, is uh, is always that. Now it's that that New Zealand, right? A um, little little bit pricier, but I think it's it's money well spent. If I need to hold up a ton of weight, or if the water is just uh, ripping and I got to make a pretty far cast, then I might go to the Thingamabobber, uh, the Airlock. Uh, biodegradable ones are great. Right. So the new. difference is you can travel to and from altitude with New Zealand because that hair doesn't expand and decrease in altitude. If you mm. buy thingamabobbers in Colorado and fly home, they get crushed. Really? They show up like 
Just real quick. Wow. Cool. I came home and I was like, that is insane. I would have never got Dude, that. I just, I could throw yes. them all out. Yes. And the, and the, and honestly, the, the New Zealand wool lands softer than your drive line on the water. I, I love delicate that. little puff. Yeah. It's I, like cotton. I love it. It's have very, you tied flies sensitive. with that stuff yet? That'd make a no. good, like, carp cotton seed fly. It would. Yes, it would. Yeah. And then, and then uh, uh, if the water's really heavy and really fast and I got to get down quick, you know, like fishing a, a run coming out of a deep plunge pool on a small stream or, or like, a, a, you know, a riffle that, that's got just sort of one of those cuts through the center of it, um, faster water. If I can get an up and across presentation, the Euro rigs are dead, absolutely deadly. Right. On. Absolutely deadly. How often do you fish still water for trout? Never. I still, we got to find still water smallmouth I, around here. I actually don't know that I have ever caught a trout in still water. Now, I, I think there's been like a couple of like stock ponds that I maybe have caught over the years. Yeah, there has been, but I it's just something that's a hole in my game. Uh, it's not around here where yeah, we live. Yeah, I don't know anything about still water trout. We got traffic and red tape, but we don't have still water yeah. trout. Uh, so you already <laughs> mentioned currents. Inside of the seam, outside of the seam, where are you going to throw? Foam? Inside or outside of the seam? So that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, you know. I work them both. Absolutely. Am I going to throw foam? Yes. I am regularly throwing. Is foam three, foam? three days ago, four days ago, I was just decimating fish on small size 10 chubby Chernobyls that are kind of a mini double chubby that I tie. Oh, you're talking foam as it as it relates to the foam in the water. Foam is home. Foam yes. is home. Yes, foam is while, home. While the flotsam yeah. congregates. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's where you should target. You should bubble target. lines. When you look at the pool or the run or whatever, you should really be looking at find whatever the slowest part of it is, right, and then find the water that is adjacent to that slow water, right. One mile per hour. One mile per hour is what you want. It's a slow walk. You know, wait, you know, waist high walking speed water. That's where fish live. Steelhead. Same thing you said like four years ago sitting right here. Yeah. Waist high walking speed water. That's where fish are. That's where they want to be. They want to burn calories. They yeah. want to be fat, lethargic couch potatoes. Yeah. That's yeah. their goal in life. Yeah, they're not they're not fighting, you know, immense currents. They will, you know, they'll they'll get into certain places and whatnot. But but I want structure, I want cover, I want you know, walking speed. How deep is too deep? No such thing. All right. What about mending? I get a lot of clients, striper fishing, shad fishing. They, they're their mending line. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you don't even do that down here. Yeah. It's irrelevant. You're actually going to screw up the swing. Mending's critical in, in trout fishing with nymphs. Slack is absolutely your friend in nymphing and dry fly fishing. So whoever said slack is the enemy is nuts. Slack, you need tons of slack. Lots of slack. Uh, that helps to get the flies down. It takes the tension off the, takes the drag off the, off the, off the flies. Nice slick line to, to dip and wiggle out. Yes, yes, dip and wiggle. You know, wiggle casts, some stack mending. Uh, these are all tactics that that Explain I explain a stack mend. So a stack mend is uh, once you present your fly, and I typically use a stack mend uh, most commonly in. Um, nymph fishing with a with an indicator rig but but also in dry flash fly fishing as well uh so basically you have uh an excess of line that is piled at your feet you know you make your presentation you have this excess of line piled at your feet and basically what you're doing is you're tossing or slipping line out of the rod tip by wiggling it up and down right never left and right left and right moves the fly up and down just pumps it out 
or or I actually throw it, right? You know, so I pick a little bit of slack up with my rod tip, and then I shoot the line through my fingertips, kind of throwing it at the indicator as it floats downstream. That'll not only extend your drift, but it'll keep the tension off the fly line and the indicator so that the flies can drift naturally and, and, and sort of get down deeper and deeper and deeper as the drift goes on. So basically, if you picture it, when I'm nymphing with a suspension rig or an indicator and I'm fishing up and across, and sometimes I'm not, sometimes I'm fishing just straight up, it's another story, but if I'm fishing up and across traditional style, medium-sized stream, what I'm envisioning, in, in I'm envisioning setting everything up for the last 20% of the drift, where all the strikes come, most of the strikes come. 80% of the strikes come in the last 20% of the drift. So I'm making sure that I'm, I throw it upstream, I get that big initial mend as soon as the indicator hits the water. I even lift it up out of the water a little bit so there's a pause so that the flies can catch up to it. And then I'm sort of, I'm putting some slack on the water almost every time intentionally so I can keep the drag off of that indicator and off those flies to allow them to get down deep into the strike zone where they can marinate. And, and I'm setting it up, getting ready for that last 20% of the drift where I think the strike's going to come. Sometimes it happens earlier. Uh, the caveat is you got to make sure it's not too much slack that you can't set the hook mm -hmm. if you get a strike before that 20% period of time. Right. You don't want that lull in your line. No. What about high sticking? So some, is it producer Jason, mm -hmm. the greatest high sticker I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Dude can sit there. If I like tie a bow tie or change the light bulb, it takes mm -hmm. too long, my arm go numb. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I can't high yeah. stick. It's where the long rod helps, right? But you don't have to... The thing is, is is you can get on most, especially like water that's, that's uh, 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 you know, built for sort of that, that, that uh, high sticking technique or that, those Euro techniques, is usually faster water, right? It's usually faster broken water that you can get a lot closer to the trout than you can think, than you think you can. And so I'm not reaching my arm out, you know, kind of like you see in the books and things and, a, as much as you might think, right? You, you know, if you have a nine or a 10 foot rod, use that length of that rod to your advantage. Um, you don't typically have to cast very far and you can usually in those situations get closer to the trout than you think you can. Nice. Final questions on nymphs. Mm -hmm. The method of fishing them. Let's talk about swinging. Yeah. Important yeah. for uh, emergers and, and yeah, bugs there, coming up? there are some uh, streams, you know, as you know, for, for many years, I, I taught, um, I took groups to the West Branch of the Delaware River, you know, big groups, you know. I got a client who's got a house there. You just got to call them. We would take 30, 40 people up there and we'd, we'd take them on the West Branch of the Delaware and we'd, we'd rent out the entire, uh, you know, West Branch of the Delaware Resort there or West Branch Angler Resort there. And we would do these clinics, these three-day clinics, right? And that's kind of known as sort of one of the hardest trout streams, not only on the East Coast, but in general. just in general, right? And we would take these beginners there that have never caught a trout in their life, you know? And, and look, so not everyone was extremely successful, but many of them were. And one of the secrets to why many of them were successful there was swinging nymphs, right? Because as picky and as difficult as those fish are and as pressured as they are, um, there are a certain amount of those fish that just cannot resist a, a, a downstream swing with a, with a couple of nymphs. Is um, it the type of water that just allows for that? You know, I haven't found a correlation in why it works and why it doesn't work, but I have found that certain streams it does not work, <laughs> you know. The gunpowder it works really well. The West Branch, the no, Delaware. No it works interest really. in the gunpowder. Yeah, I don't know if it's a if it's a tailwater thing, but it's not because it, it doesn't work at all on the Savage. You can't swing anything in there. 
I don't know. Some streams, they're grabby and chasey uh, on the little nymphs. And maybe they think it's little baby streamer. Maybe they think it's little bait fish, emerging nymphs. Uh, uh, size 12 prince nymph will catch more largemouth bass than other flies yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They th I don't know what they there's think There's no stoneflies swimming in those lakes. No. You know, there's no, yeah. It, they think it's a nymph, right? They think it's oh. a damsel nymph. Or what are we getting out of Burke, man? I got my new battery in the boat. That trolling motor is going to work now. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, we got to go soon, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, mm -hmm. Bottom bouncing. Yes. When is bottom bouncing good? Um, for trout, and, and if we're talking about the traditional method of bottom bouncing, which to me is, you know, red amnesia and paracord, only for steelhead. Paracord? Oh, with the slinkies? Yeah, 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 exactly. Like Salmon River jabronis. Yes, yes, that's like bottom bouncing to me. Okay. Are you are you thinking? Are you are we talking like something more... just tumbling around <laughs> like split shot on it? Yeah, just like yeah, boom, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, uh, kind of like Carolina rigging your your nymphs, right? Or uh, drop, drop shot, shot, drop shot rig. Yeah. So that work that can actually work really good at the head of a pool. Or or the tail out of a pool or the head of the next riffle that can that can absolutely work really good especially with like a shaky one. All right, when are you mm -hmm. gonna use a bobber? Deadly. I'm gonna use a bobber when mm, when you mean as like opposed to the wolf? No indicator, I should say. Uh, I'm gonna I so especially if I'm casting upstream, if I have to cast multiple nymphs or a nymph and get down deep, and I gotta cast it directly upstream. I really like the suspension rig in that regard, right? Because it's really hard for me because uh, you can't cast it very far to do the uh, the tight line stuff upstream. I think it's a lot more difficult for me. Right. So I definitely like suspension rig there. Also, if I have to cast far. Do you have a color preference for a bobber? White, right? White, um, unless there's a ton of foam on the water or it's dark, then I'll use the chartreuse. All right. Night fishing nymphs? Yes, best day of trout fishing I ever had uh, was in Missoula, Montana at, at like midnight till two in the morning you behind know, the Holiday Inn on Main Street. They say there's the more bastards you find, the farther you get from Missoula, Montana. Mm, yes, they do say that. <laughs> um, Did you hear about the otter on the pass? That was night, that was night fishing with these. Behind the, the Holiday Inn. Hotel, was that, that was the, the trip with the... Orvis God rendezvous, right? Yes, yes. And uh, Hank Patterson was there. And uh, the weirdest podcast ever. Yeah, 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 that's right. And so there was this beer distributor across from the hotel that we were staying at. And, you know, we decided to go out at midnight and fish, uh, uh, you know, fish the, the bridge on the Clark Fork there. Um, and I think four of us probably caught. 150 fish Holy in crap. two hours. It was just... And every, that's 10 o'clock for you, too. Yeah, every single cast, Pat's rubber leg was going to get eaten. My goodness. And it was a bunch of steelhead guys, so we could all stand right next to each other and drift our flies cool. in unison. Right. At like, you know, 100 feet down the river uh, and just all hook up at the same time. That's awesome. Insane. Yeah. Anything else on nymphs? Anything Do else? Do I need to make you a sandwich or anything yeah. before we go? No, no, no. Air no, fried no, tater tots? I'm no, I'm good. Wife's going to have dinner for me when I get home. Pork belly? Nope, had that last night. Samyeopsal. Yeah, Korean-style lettuce wraps with, mm. uh, with pork belly. White My pork neighbor, uh, Rob, and I are going to do Traeger, mm. bulgogi, steak and cheese. Yeah, we had that. We had uh, 
we, now we didn't have bulgogi last night. We had. Uh, it's so easy to get, man. Something else. Like, never buy the like non-marinated. Yeah, never buy the pre-marinated bulgogi. It's just not the same. No, no. Dude, I love bulgogi tacos. Oh yeah, so, Roy yeah. Choi, man. Yeah. All right, is that it for for regular? Before we get into the randoms, I I think I think that's it. Uh, I think that's it for, for weirdest regular. nymph questions you ever received at the store. Someone yeah, come in for something that you never even heard of? Weirdest Bunny nymph bug. questions. Oh, jeez. Oh. Hey, man, can I put a nymph as my lead and a <coughs> dry as my dropper? No. Maybe. I, I have heard, should I ever fish dry flies wet? Um, which you can. Yeah, there, there's tons of weird questions. The biggest question is, how do I tell the difference between dry flies and nymphs? Which is just impossible to answer. It starts with like, well, if it has a bead, it's definitely a nymph, you know. Uh, buoyancy. Yes, yes, buoyancy. All right. Um, uh, let's do this. Ready? What's oh, a product, okay. fishing or non-fishing, that you will refuse to buy generic? And remember, my father-in-law thought generic was a brand. At Home Depot, I said, buy generic potting soil. Oh, my God. And he uh, said, I don't see the word generic on any bags. Fishing or non-fishing that I refuse. Like NyQuil, man. Never buy, buy generic NyQuil. No? Is that that's terrible? I will not do that. I, this is, I, know, I know there's things. I just have to. I've Cola. Got, I've got I to only buy Coke. Yeah. There's only, no RC. There's no yeah, Pepsi. Yeah, we only buy Coke. There's we no, uh, what's that, ger- the, the Scottish one? Something brow? No. I don't know. I don't know that. All right, come back to that one. I'll think of something. All right, there's got to be some of the generic That's you won't buy, like toilet yeah. paper. Uh, the problem is I don't buy anything. My wife buys everything. That's awesome. So I, don't, yeah. I spent two hours at the store today with a kid who wanted Did to you? buy everything. <laughs> Lidl. Dude, Lidl. I need to make you a Lidl hash brown. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hold yeah, on. Yeah. Pause. Yeah. Right. I'm going to put that in now. It's the greatest hash brown ever. Okay, Art now has three things he'll never buy generic. Okay, so tires. Right, got to have good tires, uh, shoes, and mattress. Right, you spend thirty of your life in your mattress, a third of your life in your shoes, and I used to spend a third of my life. It seemed like in the damn car. You used to until, not have a bed. You slept on the floor I t- until I moved to uh, Arlington. Yeah, when I fir- when I first moved here, I slept on my, so my nice. camping pad. Yeah, it was great. When I lived down near Dulles Airport, I didn't have a bed for a while. I like yeah. Oh, when my I, when back I moved, was so good. When I moved to Cleveland, I was like, all right, yeah, well, I'll just get a bed when I get there. That way, I don't have to move it. I'll get a new bed. And then I just started like sleeping on the on the camping pad. You don't have just to like, feel about rolling over and well, fall off the well, bed. Actually, the reason I didn't buy a bed until I got like married, you know, was I didn't. I, I, I had so much room. Yeah, I like roommates. Like, I had this whole giant room. So I was like, yeah, screw this, man. I'm just sleeping on my inflatable thing here. Uh, What's your favorite Halloween candy? Ooh, favorite Halloween candy. I know you're a a sweet tooth guy. Uh, Yeah, so so the the caramel creams, the little Gotez, I think is the brand. Caramel creams. It's kind of like a cowtail. Right, with the white. You know what that was? With the white stuff on the inside? That's beef fat. Really? That's beef oh, tallow. That just, no wonder I <laughs> Sorry. love it so much. <laughs> that's pure beef fat. Bucket list nymph spot you want to fish. Bucket list nymph. Besides like Slovenia. Nymph spot? Dude, I want to fish Slovenia so bad oh with nymphs. Oh my God. New Zealand, I guess. Yeah. yeah for sure. Uh, Another New Zealand. Any thing? cheese questions since last time? Yeah. So, 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 yeah, I could, I could go on for days with the, with the cheese questions. So let me ask you this, right? Yes. So if you've got like... 20 bucks in your pocket right and you're gonna get a cheese to put on a cracker what's the what's the one what's the one cheese that you would pick 
What? What? Twenty bucks. Twenty. You got twenty bucks on a cracker, man. Yeah, you're gonna put some cheese on a cracker because I love cheese and crackers. That's like my anything you have with it. Eat, drink. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm open. I'm open for suggestions. If you're gonna do like an IPA or beer, you want uh, mustard seed cheddar. Mustard seed cheddar. Yeah. So I got to go to Cheese Teak for that, right? Yeah. Giant's not gonna have that. I would go. Man, you can't. Triple Fat Breeze, like a, a Bellatoire or Saint Andre, would be good in Shmiri. But if you find a, a like a Cotswold cheddar. With they have that in at it. Whole Foods. They have yeah. that at Whole Foods. Cotswolds ch- yeah. cheddar onion, caramelized cheddar onion. Buying cheese, so buying good. buying artisan cheeses is by far the most intimidating thing I've ever done. So life. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything by that that uh, creamery in Oregon that makes Midnight Moon and Lamb Chopper and um, that little fettle pollen and goat cheese. So occupy. so my other question is is I'm always driving by these like Amish places out in, you know, Pennsylvania and stuff when I'm fishing and it says like unpasteurized oh. milk and unpasteurized cheese for sale. I would get the is cheese. It, I don't know about the milk. Is it safe? Yeah. yeah. Those, those cows don't have tuberculosis. That's the main thing you got to worry about is bovine tuberculosis. And so I'm just taking your word for it or what? <laughs> yeah, read, read the mark. I can give you milk by Kurlansky. Okay. Donkey milk is by far the preferred milk in the world. Donkey milk cheese? No, so that's what I'm don- looking for? Someone brought us camel milk cheese Camel milk cheese at the store once. And I was like, really? you know. <laughs> you got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> if it spits at you, I'm not eating it. <laughs> Who are the best and worst looking people in fly fishing? The best and worst looking people in fly fishing? Oh, my God. Dan Devala um, for both? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I don't know. Because here's the thing. Like, there's so many, like, there's so many attractive women now in fly fishing. But I don't actually know that all of them are actually in fly fishing, right? So I got to substantiate that. I think most of them are. But there's definitely, I've seen some of them, like, getting harassed uh, via, like, you know, on their Instagram pages and stuff. Like, oh, you're not actually fishing. So I don't know. I don't know. Art Noglak is the most handsome man in fishing. Yeah, I don't know about that. He's short hair now. I, I, I don't have any... I actually, actually have no interest in answering that question. Let's just put Good. it that way. Yeah. What is your favorite form of caffeinated products? Coffee, yeah. All right. Yeah, how do you take your coffee? It depends on how good it is. Okay. <laughs> so Dude. I prefer to take my coffee black, but basically like the, the, the worse the coffee is, the more stuff. You like your into it. <laughs> you like your coffee like you like your bully buggers. Yeah. <laughs> the wife, she grinds every night. She grinds by hand her coffee for the next day. Oh, really? She is obsessive. Wow. You yeah. do not mess with that woman yeah. during coffee time. Yeah, On Saturday, yeah. no, that's yeah. she puts. The, she has the coffee machine next to the bed. Yeah. yeah. She's like roll over. I'm like, you know, they make them with timers. Yes. What's a good cure for waiter farts? Either preventing it. Or just dealing with smelly waiters. Oh man, uh, just dealing with. It. You got to deal with it for sure. You Charcoal deal with pills, it. man. Charcoal pills. I'll give you some. Okay. Cap gel caps, preferably. Okay. Okay. Activate charcoal. Oh, your thoughts on litter bugs? Hmm. Scum of the earth, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, littering is terrible. Obviously, who raises somebody that does that crap? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think we need to bring back the stocks. Right, and then we, you know, and they and they go in the in the in the thing, and then we throw the litter at them. Right. If I was the boss and I caught you littering, mm-hmm. you would get your water cut off for three months. You want to trash my water? See what it's like not to have my water. Mm. That's that's good. That's fair. 
All right, five, four, um, nine. What's your favorite way to clean a rod cork? You have a hack for this, don't you? Magic eraser. Greatest thing. It looks better than new. Not not good as new, better than new. So I thought I'd go on eBay and order like 50 dozen mm -hmm. magic erasers for $3. They just fall apart. You can get a great deal on them. The yeah. melamine well, sponge. Well, actually, like the, the, the good name brand ones just fall apart too. Have you ever tied a fly with one? No. I've been no. wanting to do that. We got it. We should figure something out. Yeah. All right. They make a good white egg. We could probably round it off. Yes. Yes. Worst nymph or the lousiest fish you refuse to fish? The lousiest fish that I refuse to fish. And the lousiest nymph. nymph. What's a nymph you're just like, Psst, man? A nymph That's for the like, rubes. Man. That jabroni just, just is fishing kinda, that nymph. Can, all right. All right. So, so there's like a super overrated one. And it's definitely by far the green weenie. Like just the regular old commercial... Out of the out of the thing, green weenies are right. are just terrible for me. Okay. I hate them. I just hate them. There's other ones that you know you can trick out, and then streamers. It's definitely the muddler minnow. Come on, guys. Old I school. hate the muddler. Really, a weighted muddler? Yeah, another. Nah. Maybe okay. those marabou ones. I like those marabou muddlers. Kiwi muddler. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not just a standard. I have a kiwi muddler. Standard issue muddler minnow. Dude, kiwi mudlers. I've never just, caught a. I've tried mm. to catch fish on. that. Can't catch any fish right. on. Uh, what are your thoughts on the solo stove now? I really like that solo it's stove. Pretty cool, so dude. we had it. Um, we had it on the camping trip. Richard Bailey had it, and we cooked pork collars mm -hmm. on it because he's got like a little grate that goes on top of his. Oh yeah. And so we actually seared the pork collars. Once you get those coals that. going, there's no yes greater source from, of heat than those coals. We got we have pork collars, heritage pigs from Moriarty Meats. In Buffalo. You know Moriarty is so uh, the so. nemesis of Sherlock Holmes. That's right. That's yes. right. But I love the I love the solo stove. And that was actually amazing to see that you had the big one when that's I That's not the big one, man. No, that's a that's not Rob the big Martin one. got one that's like a swimming pool on his, on his driveway. Really? Um, you can fill that with water and bathe in yeah, it. Yeah, it's and so the big. thing that's amazing about it is like just one or two basically what looks to be kindling and that thing is freaking going and you and don't stink hot. you don't have to worry about your clothes catching on fire there's no like sparks i'm into it yeah dude I, all right I'm, uh, I'm definitely into it. amazing piece of kit that one fish that got away when you were nymphing tell us about uh, it it was four days ago it was four days ago so the water was a little turbid i was fishing the, a confluence pool of a of two Pennsylvania? Two streams, yeah. And one was dumping some farm runoff into it uh, for a few days after a rain period. And may maybe it was a little more than four days ago. And water in the section that I know held big fish was definitely a little already a little turbid, a little bit of stain to it. Plus, the wind was blowing and the leaf litter was nasty. Leaf hatch. Oh, my God. So, shaky worm. Fatal mistake. One, and I made it. 5x fluoro to the shaky worm. It's going to break every time. It's going to break every time on a big fish. And I should have had 4x. Do you think they're that leader shy? No, I don't think they're that leader shy, especially when you're using a shaky worm. I could tie this to tow cable, and I think. Goat rope, as yeah, George Daniel yeah, would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think they would completely ignore it to eat this thing. This fish was, you know, 24 inches. It was a big. It would have been my fish of the year. And if not, he was just shy, you know, whatever. And, and, I hit it, never had a chance. Grabbed it right in front of me, boom. I didn't actually see the fish until he ate the ate the fly. 
and he didn't even see somehow the fish didn't see me actually it was a, it was a big female um, New Zealand rig had the shaky worm it was the only thing I felt like the fish could see at the time uh, grabbed it and didn't even have a chance just zipped upstream into the riffle um, jumped um, I couldn't drop the rod tip in time to get the slack and bing. so I was really uh, really really upset with that um, so that would have been my big fish for the year uh, ho hopefully I'll still get it I'll, I'll, I'm, 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 uh, I'm pretty confident that I will have some big fish photos by the end of uh, October end of, end of the yeah, yeah probably by the end of October if we get some rain the, the problem is is like it's dry man yeah I, it's just I don't so dry. Not... like all my big fish spots are, are dry as a bone right now if we get some rain I should have a couple uh, to show that'll probably be caught on nymphs at this point because I haven't nymphed really in a long time I haven't really caught many big fish there were a few I think I caught one I caught one that was like 20-ish uh, maybe a little over 20 on the west branch of the Delaware maybe last year or the year before that on a dry white wolf I caught one on the South Holston that was, you know, maybe 20 mm -hmm. on, a, on a sulfur. But most of my fish have been under under 20 for the last three years because I've been dry fly fishing. All right, man. What are we going to talk about if we're going to talk about next subject? Uh, if it's going to be nymphs, I think we should definitely get more into uh, the tactics piece. For okay. Sure. There's a lot to talk about with those suspension rigs, and I have some other rigs that I've designed that are kind of hybrid rigs where I use nail knot fly line on two leaders. Don't give too much away. Configure those right. and some stuff, and th I think there's some good stuff to talk about as far as the the, the specifics, more specifics okay. on the techniques. Where can listeners find you during the uh, daytime hours? I'm at Orvis in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, I'm on Instagram there. Um, at tpfr or uh, art.nolak at gmail.com if anyone ever wants to reach out directly. Um, how long free. How long before that restaurant across the street from you closes? Colony View? <laughs> yeah. We've been talking about that for the last <laughs> six months. For the last six months we've been talking about that. That is such a curse spot. Oh, I know. <laughs> I've talked to not the owners, but like the design team. They have a design There's team. gotta be like a pet cemetery under there or something. Yeah, so it's a I think they're out of I think they're out of Boston. Nineteen fifty something mm -hmm. established. Yeah, yeah. They're they're Wrong big time. big up there. It's some kind yeah. of pizza. My co my cousin just sold his or closed off his entire restaurant business of twelve restaurants in the city. Mm. I don't know who's opening restaurants tough, right now. Man. Tough business to be in right now. All right, let's go look at some yarn. Cool. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. 
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.